it is the Shabakalypse, exactly. Because today we found out that the North Pole is no longer ice and snow. It's open water, it's dark water. And that years ago, years ago, that first thing that we heard about climate change, that explanation, that the sun hits the polar caps and if the ice and snow is melted, it isn't bounced back into space by the white surface. It's absorbed into the dark water and heats the planet up. How many years ago did we hear that? We didn't turn the corner. Here it is, late 2020. Now I call it the Shapocalypse because it, that's exactly what it is. You and I, 70% of the gases that go into the air that heat up this planet come from domestic consumption. It's you and me. Let's not blame anybody else right now. Just not right now. Because I think if we start blaming, 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 we get into that constricted, paralyzed anger. The wrong kind of anger. Let's be loosey-goosey. You heard the Stop Shopping Choir at the top of this show here. They sounded happy singing the end of the world. We got to be in motion, baby, to confront this ecocide. But today, this half hour, let's stay in motion. Let's stay loose. Let's take in new information. Come on now. <laughs> Laugh. Force it. We're going to talk to the doctor of fire, Dr. Rick Anderson, one of the worldwide experts. He's going to talk to us. We got 700 fires out in California. And then we're going to ask ourselves the basics. What is this basic apocalyptic end times thing that we've got hardwired into us? What's that story that we've been living with that has allowed us to do this. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Come on now. Come on now, let's do it. Let's face it. First of all, we got some more bad news for you from the news, from the natural world. Savitri D, take it away. Come on now. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. 625 fires are burning in the state of California. Two of them rank among the three largest fires in the state's history. So far this year, more than 7,000 fires have destroyed 1.4 million acres, killed seven people, and destroyed 1,200 structures. Climate experts warn that the activity so early in the year and across such varied landscapes offers a preview of a fire and flood cycle that is likely to keep getting worse. It appears that most of the redwoods in Big Basin Park near Santa Cruz have survived the fires. Climate change is triggering behavioral change among animals across the Arctic. In northern Siberia, wild reindeer this summer started migrating almost a month earlier than normal. According to the Russian Meteorological Institute, the months of April, May, and June 2020 all had the highest ever average temperatures in the Arctic and July matched the record from 2016. The heat shocks don't just come by air. Researchers measured water temperatures more than five degrees higher than normal in parts of the Barents Sea and Kara Sea. The Cameroon government has announced it is canceling a plan to log nearly 170,000 acres of the Igbo forest following sharp criticism from indigenous communities, conservation groups, and scientists. The ecosystem is one of the last intact forests in Central Africa and a biodiversity hotspot, harboring hundreds of rare plant and animal species, including the tool-using Nigeria Cameroon chimpanzee, the Western gorilla, and giant frogs. 
As temperatures climb, demand for home air conditioning in the United States is expected to increase 59% over the next 30 years, increasing emissions, straining power grids, and financially burdening millions of middle and low-income American families who already struggle to pay utility bills. Air conditioning demand in commercial buildings is expected to increase 17%. The analysis is based on data from 242 U.S. cities. High-resolution satellite imagery has documented the existence of 61 emperor penguin colonies in Antarctica, increasing the known number of colonies in the region by 20%. The findings relied on streaks of the penguins' rusty red guano captured in images of sea ice taken from space. While the bump in numbers is welcome news to conservationists, the findings come with the caveat that these new colonies, and indeed the species itself, are highly susceptible to climate change. Black babies have a greater chance of survival when the hospital doctor in charge of their care is also black. In the US, babies of color face starkly worse clinical outcomes than white newborns. Earlier research from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention published last year shows that black babies are more than twice as likely to die before reaching their first birthday than white babies regardless of the mother's income or education level. When cared for by white doctors, black babies are about three times more likely to die in the hospital than white newborns. When black babies are cared for by a black doctor, this number is cut in half. Red-billed oxpeckers protect black rhinos by calling out an alarm signal when humans are nearby. A team of researchers tracked black rhinos in the wild and found that those who were carrying oxpeckers were much better at sensing and dodging humans. Oxpeckers help to remove ticks and other parasites as they hitch a ride on a rhino's back. The new study suggests that the birds also help to compensate for the rhino's terrible eyesight by calling out when a human is approaching. The Swahili name for the red-billed oxpecker is Askari Wakifaru, which means the Rhino's Guard. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. And now we're going to go to a song followed by an interview. The song is the Stop Shopping Choir. It's a song about apocalypse, various kinds of apocalypses, and it's kind of a mixed message. The song seems to claim that there's something good sometimes about apocalypses. Then that is followed by an interview with Rick Anderson, a fire professional who also says there is some good that comes from fire. During this conversation with Rick, California was in flames. I think this is just two years ago. Savitri and I talking to Rick Anderson. Here we go.
I'm really happy to introduce Rick Anderson. He lives in Venus, Florida. He was the fire chief in Everglades National Park, and now he teaches fire management, which sounds a lot drier than what he does, to communities and uh, governments even all over the world. Um, he's also a dear old friend of mine, and uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Rick Anderson to the show. One of the things you and I have talked about in the past is the changing relationship to fire. And what you study a lot is the human is the human relationship to fire, right? Like how over time, you know, our view of fire and the way we engage with it has changed. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about that changing relationship? Well, first, you know, humans are a fire species. If we think about our earliest origins, uh, especially, I mean, all indications are is that we grew up on the savannas of Africa and savannas are inherently a fire place. And if you think about our opposable thumbs, our upright posture, and the fact that we live socially and one of the things that got us out of the savannah and organized groups was our ability to cooperate. And if you're using fire, as humans have for millennia, uh, probably as long as there's been homo sapiens on this planet, uh, you have to cooperate when you use fire, whether you're burning to encourage wildlife or hunt or clear land. So the combination of both the social dimensions and the necessity of using fire uh, probably brought us together in humans, and it was a technology that no other species got their hands on. We're one of the few species on the planet who have captured this ecological process with fire and then brought it to a high art. And now, of course, it's abstraction in, in the form of light bulbs, combustion under hoods, or little uh, electronic instruments. All of that is a form of combustion. But once we got divorced from our, the use of fire, or I should say once we got separated, it was probably part of the same kind of separation from nature that we experience in modern cultures right. and the postmodern world that we live in now. We have fires happening everywhere around the world right now. There's just fires everywhere. Um, what can that's, what can we do? What can what can we do? Well, first off, this is it's so much uh, the story of all of our personal relationships with nature. First off, I would say that understanding that most everything that we fear in nature is also our friend too, and in this case, fire. So, uh, what can we do? What can our average individual do, we have solutions. And one of those solutions, at least speaking specifically with fire, is that we have the skilled professionals on the landscape right now who can use fire, who can use fire in a responsible way, not on the driest, windiest days, like what's happening in California and many of the Western states right now, where we've taken fire out of the hands of people and we put it into the hands of technocrats and professionals. And by moving the fire to the hands of the, the like the U.S. Forest Service and professional firefighting units, ordinary people do not understand that they can also start mitigating, if you will, uh, the impacts of fire around their homes. For example, in Southern California, all it would take is a little bit of modest clearing and landscaping around your home to remove the combustible vegetation, mm, mm. and you wouldn't put firefighters at risk. Uh, we could advocate to the U.S. Forest Service and any firefighter agency 
to do their control burning and their prescribed burning at times of the year when they can have their crews available, ready, and to control these fires because all fires are not the same. Fires this time of year under these extreme conditions are uncontrollable, and we're spending many million dollars per day in just aviation costs. And just like a feudal war on drugs or you name it, we are not doing a very good job once we start amplifying the war effort on fire Mm -hmm. and where we can take more of guerrilla tactics, if you will, or more homeopathic tactics by burning the forest, because almost all forests in North America are adapted to some kind of fire, but they're not adapted to these extreme fire events that both climate change, long-term drought, and the whole legacy of putting out fires for many, many, many decades has left us in a situation where all the dry brush and all the dry vegetation that used to be burned off by Native Americans and our pioneer ancestors to reduce those fuel loads. We've literally loved our forest to death by suppressing fire, mm. believing from a European forestry point of view that uh, a scorch on a tree was a bad thing, forgetting that most ecosystems in the United States and most of the, on the planet are adapted to some forms of fire, whether we're in the Mediterranean zone around Greece where those tragic and horrible fires happen, or we're in the Everglades of South Florida where it's swampy but yet it still burns, or Central America. I mean, you can map the planet uh, with fire, and there's many, many benefits to using fire. Much of our biodiversity is encouraged by fire because Mm -hmm. here's what ancient people knew, is they knew the wet season fire... Uh, is inefficient. So when you burn that, and for all of us who have seen a campfire the next morning or an old barbecue grill, all that black stuff laying there at the bottom is carbon. And that carbon goes into the earth and fertilizes plants and animals. That's what the so-called slash and burn agriculture is with the, the indigenous populations burning small plots to put their farms on top of. It was the original natural organic fertilizer mm-hmm. with the ash and fire. The fires that we're having now on the planet are so intense and volatile that it's driving that carbon up into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And for all of us who knows what happens with carbon in the atmosphere, then we're starting to, to hit tipping points with our air quality and our climate change carbon load. <laughs>
And Reverend Billy again from the Church of Real Talk Radio. Today, I want to talk about three ways to end the world. The first is the Bible method. And that's famous. The end of the world, uh, you go out on your front lawn and Jesus appears in the clouds. And if you're going to heaven, Jesus will rapture you up. And if you're not, you'll stay right where you are and you'll burst into flames. Well, that's the Bible. Then a second end times is science. Now, science says that we're dying now. The extinction is accelerating. Life in all its forms, the birds, the animals, the plants, down to the bacteria, they're all disappearing. And it's because of us. I guess we are to blame with our pollution, with our industrial agriculture, our meat eating, our overpopulation, our habitat destruction, all the rest. We're killing everything else. And because we're doing that, we're going to die as well. Because we cannot live without life. We have to have other life or we can't survive. Well, that's the science. And the scientists don't have communicating skills. You know, maybe they have to go to radio school or something. The preachers with the Bible apocalypse, of course, they can preach. Now you are sinners and you are destined to hellfire if you don't give up, give over, believe in Jesus and he will rise you up, you'll rapture up into the sky, into the into the super mall in the heavens. Yeah, the preachers, they are communicators. Well, now the third kind of world-ending process is what I call high-tech end times. Now, the high-tech people, and that's led by, of course, uh, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, they are saying that the way to end your life and go to the promised land, go to eternal heaven, is to come out of your body and go right through your computer screen to a second earth that they are arranging for you, a second planet. And it's, of course, monetized. You have to pay to get there. But we're doing that right now. We really, they do have us. They are the religion that's winning. We are uh, spending 6, 10, 12 hours a day at the screen, and we are disembodied. We go out into that landscape, and our body's way back in that chair, miles behind us. We're floating around in our brain. Now, that apocalypse seems to be winning because those big companies, they turn to the science, and they turn to the religion, and they say, you do what you want, but the only way you're going to reach the other people is by uh, buying into us. And we'll, we'll set you up with your computer and with your, your platform and your cookies and your apps. You know, you'll have everything that you need to contact all the people and try to persuade them to the science and the Bible. But actually what's happening is the media is an end times. All the blockbuster movies, all the video games... It's all based on, the narrative is based on the end of the world. Those are end of the world stories. There's a handsome couple. They are the hero and the hero's love interest. And they are opposing some kind of devil, and the devil wants to end life as, as we know it. 
That's the Avengers, that's the, you know, all the Disney, all the Marvel, all the DC, all those big blockbusters, they all have the same story. And it is the end of the world. So, as I was saying before, it's not just their story, it's their medium. To really be interested in that story, you've got to go through the screen and out into that second planet. That is, the medium is the story. The medium is the end times. So where does that leave us? Whether you believe in the Bible end times, or you believe in the science end times, you've got to get your people out of that second planet and back to their bodies. And then their bodies have to stand up from the chair and go out the front door and down the street and have to meet the neighbors. And that's the beginning of compassionate civics. That's the beginning of compassionate political participation. That's being a neighbor in a community. And unless we do that, well, now I just have to say, I'm a believer in the science. <laughs> I believe that all life must survive so that we can survive. And if we survive, all life can survive. We basically have to sign up as living beings in the larger Earth biosphere, or we're goners. We're goners. Our body has to be the plan. Our body is much more complex than any computer that IBM can sell us. Much more mysterious. We, we really don't know what makes the body work. We know about computers. That's well known. Everybody's learning computers. But the body is a mystery, as mysterious as an ecosystem. A forest, a coral reef, an alpine meadow, a mangrove swamp, the Arctic, the body is the plan for the future. The body is the science fiction that will take us past 2100 still living through our, our children and our grandchildren and our grandchildren's grandchildren. If the project of humanity will go forward, it will be because we rediscover our bodies and respect and reside in our bodies. Not just as objects of fitness, not just as monetized, you know, machines, but as a demonstration, as a celebration of life. Oh, I think it's time to pray to the earth. Earth Hallelujah, here we are. We have right now on live radio, I've got a live body here. And I know that I'm calling out in real time to many other live bodies. We've got a Yankee Stadium full of people out there all over the place. And we're all in a community with each other right now. We're down the street from each other right now. We're in a forest to get in an ecosystem together right now. We're in the here and now physically together. We can tell stories. We can have romances. We can be mysterious. We can help each other with our energy, with our food, with our way of living with our way of sowing and being of service to each other, our, how we manage our energy. We have ways of being together in community. Yes, somebody might say, well, that's the old-fashioned way. You can do that through your computer. There's a shortcut. There's something convenient, something comfortable, something sexy. The plan is the body. The future is the body. If we have a future, it is through the body. And we can 
We can do what we did during Black Lives Matter. We can do what we did through the, the pandemic. We, we can do what we did. We remember doing during 9-11, during when communities are forced into life, when we need our neighbors that badly, then we're not listening anymore to the corporations. We're not listening to the shortcuts anymore. Life itself becomes the thing that we value the most. We celebrate that complexity, that mystery, that ecosystem. And then we go out and we keep the biosphere alive throughout the earth. We know how to balance. We know how to not bring our toxins there. We know how to respect life. Life, hallelujah. I want to thank everyone for being with us today. Earth, hallelujah. You have the earth in your body. Celebrate that body. That's the starting point. Then find your ecosystem. Find the life around you. Celebrate it. Be of service to your neighbors and to your ecosystem and your bioregion and your biosphere. Celebrate life. Life hallelujah, everybody. Thank you. Amen. And so it's time for thank yous and so longs and goodbyes. Here at the end of the Church of Real Talk Radio, I'm Reverend Billy, and I'd like to put out a thank you to the Stop Shopping Choir. They offered three songs in today's, today's show, and, and that would be The End of the World, the song about the apocalypses, which is called This Turning World, and then Promised Land. I'd also like to thank Savitri D for her anchoring the news of the natural world. A lot of worlds happening here today. <laughs> and I'd like to thank uh, Savitri also for interviewing Rick Anderson, our fire ranger, international expert on fire. Thank you, Rick. We'd like to thank the producer of this show, Jason Candler. Thank you, Jason. And we'd also like to thank, of course, Neil Young, who helped us develop this show over a two-year period at the Neil Young Archives, his jukebox in the sky and his newspaper, which he edits and for which we are supplying the religious content. It's called the Times Contrarian, the Neil Young Archives. Check it out. Thank you, Neil. And so this is Reverend Billy saying goodbye and earth Till next week. <laughs>